Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, well, Joel, Gail, Anthony, and Emily, they're longtime friends of our personal family, longtime friends of Central's family. Joel was raised at Central, if you don't know. He's called to ministry at a very young age. He's been faithful to follow that calling through music ministry, pastoral ministry, and then into missions all the way in Belgium. Uh, His work in Belgium includes a a, a wide variety of ministry, community outreach, community development, compassion, church planning, working with other missionaries and pastors. Joel, come on out. Preach the word. Oh, we welcome Joel. Amazing, we took a couple of little kids to, uh, on the field with us, and here they are all growing up. For those of you who may not know me, uh, I am not cold. Um, we often have to wear our missionary garb. See, Anthony? Bye, Emily. All right. And uh, we get to ask uh, to wear our missionary garb. Well, we are missionaries in Europe. And we have skinny jeans and scarves. So I went with a scarf to spare you the skinny jeans. So it's all good. It's all good. But uh, my wife, Gail, we are honored and privileged to be your missionaries to Europe. The reality is, is that, amen. It was, it was funny. We, had these, we saw these decorations, these little globes all over the place, and uh, one of the very first things that Anthony recognized when he looked at these globes was that they somehow left out Europe (laughs) on the globe. If you don't believe me, come and visit us at our room. I will show you there is no Europe on this world. Too many times Europe is forgotten because you know what? About 500 years ago, the Protestant Reformation happened on October 31st, on uh, 1517, 500 years ago. Europe really brought God to the world. But it is now the continent that has forgotten God. You know that less than 3% of Europeans, less than 3% of the 350 million people that live in Europe, less than 3% have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a place where it has been growing in darkness and secularism. But I'll tell you what, there is nothing that shines brighter than a light in the midst of darkness. And so we're thankful for what God has been doing. We're thankful for partnering with you and to see what God has been uh, enabled us to do and that you have empowered us to do. Because without you, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. And I'm so thankful for a home church So thankful for a home church that understands the importance of mission, the importance of not only understanding what it is to go around the world, but you also understand what it is to go across the street, what it is to have the local, uh, the regional, national, and international ministries represented. I want to say thanks to my colleagues that are here representing those ministries because what you're doing is so powerful. It's transformational. And our theme today is going to be transformation. 
And uh, I, want, I want to ask, as, as we ponder this, and as I look over the last three years, if someone were telling me my story, I would look at them like they were crazy, that they were exaggerating, and that they lived eight lives in the last three years. Because over the last eight, uh, over the last eight years, there's been a lot that's happened in the last eight years, but I'm going to talk about the last three. In the last three, we have uh, had the privilege uh, of, of being in 20, uh, over 20 different countries. I've been in 40 different villages, partnered with two church plants in cities that had no evangelical or Pentecostal church, partnered with another four churches that were existing to see them engage with their community. And in one trip, I drove over 5,600 miles by myself through 11 countries to be able to build relationships and to begin partnerships and to be able to talk to local leaders and missionaries. And friends, I, I never thought somebody from Washington, Pennsylvania could experience the things that I've experienced and seen. And the, the truth is I wouldn't were it not for the investment of you. Not only financially partnering with us, but so many of you representing, even seeing Marsha up here this morning, reminding of the deposit that has been placed in my life. You see, the sun doesn't set on the ministry of Central Assembly. Well, let me say that again because there were like three amens. The sun never sets on the ministry of Central Assembly. Somewhere around the world, God is doing things because you're partnering, because of what you're doing. When you give to missions, there are lives being transformed for eternity. There are generations that are being transformed. There are communities that are being transformed. When you pray for a missionary, friends, for those of you who don't know, I'm coming up on a two-year anniversary on November 20th, having suffered a, a, a ruptured brain aneurysm. I shouldn't be standing here today. One in five die instantly, friends. How many have ever heard a good sentence with aneurysm in it? So, uh, we, all I was thinking was, I'm holding these and I don't want to be holding them anymore. So, I don't know what basket that's in. Doesn't have Europe anyway. So, I want to tell you that I should have been at the airport the morning of the Brussels bombing. I should have been walking through that corridor were it not for one simple decision. I want to tell you, when 10 Mercedes in front of you, when you're driving through the middle of Bosnia, all crisscross, and everyone gets out with guns and begins shooting, and you're sitting at the back of the pack, you know that there are people praying for you. And I also knew that whatever they were for, I was for. <laughs> you got to be smart, you know what I'm saying? But... We are where we are. There is no safer place to be than in the center of God's will. Because when you pray, guess what? It unleashes heaven and it protects us and it preserves us and allows us to do what God has called us to do without fear. People ask all the time, are you worried? You know, when you travel, I don't worry one iota. I got news for you, there is nothing that my God cannot protect me from. There's nothing that, I, I'm not, I cannot be motivated by fear.
I have to be motivated by a confidence that God is with me and that he loves the people that we're encountering each and every day with an everlasting love and that he desires to have a relationship with them and that we have the opportunity to go forth not in cower and fear, not in worry, but in God confidence, knowing that he is there and that he is with us. Gail's gonna come and share. She was just recently in Bulgaria. Our ministry, I, I was, we woke up this morning and Gail has subsequently lost her scarf. So we were laughing because we were wearing Budapest, which is in the country of Hungary, and we're missionaries to Belgium. And uh, it's, we're just gonna confuse people all day long because Gail's gonna talk about Bulgaria. But we work all over Eastern Europe partnering with communities and it's helpful working with the team that we worked with in this first term was all based in Brussels and so we partnered collaboratively and then they sent us forth. And uh, Gail's gonna share a little bit about her experience. We had, we've had privilege over the last three years to dig deeper into Hungary, Romania, and Bulgaria and see God do amazing things in communities and villages. In a village I was in recently, we went in and we knew it was a place of spiritual darkness. We knew it was a place of, of, of great battle. It's a people that are outcast and they were all born Muslim and some of them have come to faith in Christ. And we were ministering at the service on Sunday morning and after service, in walked an older man and his wife, and he sat down in the front row, and the missionary we were partnering with nudged me, and she said, I can't believe he's here. I, I, he's never stepped foot in this building. She said, we need to pray. So our team began to pray over this man and his wife kneeling in the back, and we, we began to just pray over their lives and pray for freedom from bondage. And then we were told that they lived on a compound where there's a young lady who had been tormented by evil spirits. And it had become worse and worse and worse for her. She would, she would fall and seize. She, had, she, had been, um, she was being told to cut herself, to harm herself. So they brought her for prayer. As she came into the front of the building, she said, you don't understand, I can hear them. I can see them. They're sitting right here. So we began to pray for deliverance and we began to pray that Christ would set her free and that the chains of bondage would be broken over her life and over the life of this family. You see, this family, this man and this woman used to be part of the church. And they walked away from God and they didn't walk away in a small way. They walked away in a Muslim mafia, let's run prostitution and drugs and other big things way. And when they did, they invited the presence of evil into their home and into their lives. But that morning was a morning where redemption began and where restoration began to take place as we saw God break strongholds in their lives. That girl that day, she left saying, I can't see them anymore. I don't hear them. Amen. The next day as we were conducting children's ministry, they all came back. And I, and I looked at the young girl and I said, how are you? She said, I can't see them. I can't hear them. The husband and wife asked for more prayer and they said, could you come to our house tomorrow and pray over our home? Because it's been a place where evil 
has had a stronghold. We said, yes, we will come to your house and pray. So the following day, the whole team we were with, we all went to this compound. They own several buildings. And we began to pray over their homes. And this is what we prayed. We prayed that the light of Christ would shine into their home, that as, as Jesus shined his light, that evil would have to flee. And we believed for Christ's power and for his redemption and his work in their lives. And as we left that one building and began to pray for other buildings in that compound, Ivan got a call from his son. His son is in prison over 100 miles away. And he called his dad and he said, dad, what is happening at the house right now? I just saw a vision. I don't understand it. What is happening? I just saw a beam of light coming out of heaven, shining into our home. What is going on? Because as we prayed for the light of Christ to shine, he did. And we're seeing God deliver people in powerful ways and his light of, the light of Christ shine and people being delivered from darkness. I want to quickly, for just a few moments, I want us to look at a passage of scripture out of Jeremiah chapter 18. It's a very, very familiar passage to us. Uh, those of you who have been around for any time at all, those of you who aren't familiar with the passage, it's Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you a message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in his hands, and so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Today's theme is transformation. I have two simple thoughts on transformation and what it must have been for Jeremiah to go down and to see the potter working at the potter's wheel and to recognize that the pot was marred, and yet the potter still was able to take that which was marred and create something new, something that was beautiful in the eyes of the potter. You see, we're talking about transformation today, and my two simple thoughts, and this is rule number one, never give both of your points at the beginning. I'm doing it anyway, folks. I'm doing it anyway because they're woven together and they work together. The idea here is that, first of all, transformation begins with brokenness. And transformation continues with openness. Transformation begins with brokenness. Transformation continues with openness. I want to tell you that transformation is a beautiful thing. And every team, I had the privilege of hosting uh, in the last three years over 20 uh, uh, short-term teams and working with them. And one of the first things that I share with them is that 
We cannot address brokenness of other people without first acknowledging our own brokenness. Too many times we come from, we, we put missionaries on a pedestal and they're going to go save the world. Friends, we don't save anyone, God saves people. We are broken. We were desperate. We were lost. We were hopeless. Were it not for Christ picking us up, putting the pieces back together and forming it into something that was pleasing to him. I wanna sing a song this morning. And uh, it's a simple song that all of us have probably heard a time or two. But I want us to posture ourselves in our heart with an understanding that we need him. It is from brokenness where transformation begins. And I believe there are some of you here this morning that God wants to make new. And it's going to reckon with your brokenness today. But when you bring your brokenness to him, he can do what no one else can do. So many times we wanna get all the pieces together. We wanna, get, we wanna get all our ducks in a row. Friends, when you come to God, you bring what you have. The mess, the turmoil, the chaos, the emptiness, the hopelessness, the things that, that you would be embarrassed about if anyone else knew about. You bring those things to him and he takes that brokenness and will make you new. But first, we must acknowledge that we're broken. Lord, I come, yes, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, you're the one who guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need Sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are, and where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ. Lord, I need you, oh, 
to rise to you when temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Hallelujah, Jesus. You see, transformation begins with brokenness. As I look about throughout all of the last three years, I want to share with you about one particular village named Kampold, Hungary. We have some, we have some pictures from Kampold and what God has been able to do over the last three years, it's truly remarkable. But it starts with brokenness because you see, the pastor, his name is Imri. And Pastor Imri is a guy who, when you get out of your vehicle or when the teens get out of the van, he's the first one there to meet them with the biggest smile on his face and with an overwhelming, he's not a huge guy, but he's a guy who is filled with God's love. And you ask yourself, why was Imri filled with God's love? Because Imri spent 11 years of a 20 year sentence for murdering a guy. He was a painter and they did a big job and the man decided not to pay the paint crew for their work. The paint crew began to beat the man, and Emery finished the job. He killed a man in Compult. He was sitting in his cell about six to seven years in. Eight years went by. He was sitting in his cell on his birthday, and no one had acknowledged, nobody cared. He was in a place of desperation, a place of hopelessness. Nobody even knew it was his birthday. He had begun to tie his bed sheets together. He was gonna hang himself. But something happened. Another inmate came by his cell and said, Emery, can I sit on your bed? 
Now let me tell you, in prison, you never do that. It's not a normal thing, but Emery said yes. The man sat down while Emery clutched his sheets. And he says, I want you to know that God loves you and he can forgive you. Emery turned around immediately and began to weep until about 5 a.m. when he turned around and found a Bible sitting on his bed. He began to read, began to listen to the radio and he heard a man's voice talking about the goodness of God and the love that he has and the forgiveness that he has. And Emery's heart began to be transformed. He was beginning to be discipled and yet he was praying, God, I need to get out of prison because I need to tell people what God's been doing. He got an early release, which was quite miraculous at 11 years. He got out of prison immediately and he began to search for the voice on the radio. He's our partner. His name is Pastor Andrash. Pastor Andrash is one of the most ridiculously humble people. It's sickening, it's gross. He just loves people and disciples them. And he found Emery, and Emery was rough, but he had been a man filled with anger, was now a man filled with the love of God. And he began to get on his bike because he realized no one in Compult had ever heard about this Jesus and what he's capable of doing. And a little church was birthed in Compult, Hungary. And we came along in partnership with them to see God do what God can do. You see, Kampold is divided into three ethnic groups, Germans, Hungarians, and gypsies. And I can tell you the only thing the Hungarians and the Germans get along with and agree with is that they hate the gypsies. There are three divisions and we began to work with this little gypsy church and we began to meet with the mayor. This is a picture of the mayor here in the white shirt wearing his skinny jeans. <laughs> we walked into the mayor's office and we introduced ourselves and said, we're here to serve. We're here because of the church and Pastor Emery and we want to be a blessing to your community. How can we be a blessing? He was skeptical, but he invited us to pray with him and we, we, we asked if we could pray with him and we prayed with him. And we began, he said, we have a sidewalk project. We've never had sidewalks through the one area of the village. And we began to put sidewalks together. In fact, it was kind of humorous because you gotta love Eastern Europe. We worked for about two hours and the mayor said, you have to stop. You're moving too fast. <laughs> American teams love to work. They love to come and get involved. But we began to see God doing a work. Now the mayor is German. He is an attorney by trade. He has been the mayor for 22 years. We started to see the heart of him beginning to turn. We had a team come the second year. And in between the first year and the second year, I had that silly little brain aneurysm. And uh, it was happened in November. And uh, I was back in Compult in June. And the mayor looked at me and he pulled me close. He put his hand out there. He said, it's good to see you, Joel. 
do you remember what you told me last year? I said, no. I said, can you refresh my memory? He said, you looked at me and you said you'd be back. I can see that you're a man of your word. I can trust you. I wondered if I was spared because of my family, because of all of those things. But I also wonder if God didn't spare my life for the simple mayor of Compult, Hungary, needed to encounter a follower of Christ who was gonna be true to his word. We began to see things happening. We, we, the first year we had the privilege of dismantling a, an animal stable and turning it into a kids and youth center where kids can get education and be able to get uh, the, the, the uh, tutoring that they needed. You see, when we went into the village, less than 30% of the kids were enrolled in school. How many know you can't break the cycle of poverty without education? And you can't break that without God's intervention. You know, I want to tell you, and and I, I realize that our time is fairly short this morning, but after three years, we've seen the community go from 30% to 56% enrollment. Now, here's the really cool thing. The church has tripled in size because of our engagement there and and, and what God is doing and people's lives are being transformed. You know that nearly 100% of the kids connected to the church are enrolled in school. Because let me tell you, when you connect the spiritual with the physical, with the social, when those things begin to line up, because guess what? All of those problems are spiritual problems, aren't they? And when we see God doing some incredible things, even the mayor looked and said, I can't believe what's happening in the gypsy side of the village. He said, those who are connected to the church are good citizens. Hmm. God's beginning to do a work. We put in a soccer field. We were able to put in a, 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 a playground there. We've got the community center uh, all ready for students, and they're already tutoring. We're already seeing miraculous things happening. But I want to tell you, the last year, actually just probably, uh, I guess, three months ago, we were there for the third and final year of our project there. We had the first time ever. The mayor said, we're having a big festival. We, our team was scheduled to be there during St. Stephen's Day. For those of you who don't know who St. Stephen is, he was the first king of Hungary. It is their Independence Day. It is the biggest celebration of all the year. And Kampolt was having a huge festival. And they invited us to have 30 minutes on the platform. You see, soccer fields don't matter. Playgrounds don't matter but they give us credibility when we start to invest in the lives of people and we start to say, you matter. And when we start to see the church get a platform in the community, they gave us 30 minutes to talk to the entire community. Now, this started pretty interesting in a very unusual way. I will tell you that for me, it was a missionary first and I've had a lot of those. But this was interesting. Right before us was a rock band that was doing Elvis songs. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. 
I did not let them know how good of an Elvis I could do. However, the mayor came up to me 15 minutes before we're supposed to go on and the, the rock band was gonna sing their last song on this huge platform. Must be 700 to 1,000 people spread out across this field from Compult where they're eating and they're having festivities. And the mayor said, I want you to sing with the rock band. They're going to sing Viva USA, and I want you to sing it with them. Anybody else know Viva USA? Me neither. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting, but the mayor wants us to do it. So the organizer comes over, and he's like, it's not Viva USA, it's Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Hallelujah. <laughs> a group of our team of 40 got up on the platform and sang Viva Las Vegas. Thank you very much. <laughs> but what was amazing was you'll do anything for the mayors because you want to keep them happy because you want to keep that relationship flowing and you want to have other opportunities we sang a worship song. And this festive crowd that had been eating, one of the young ladies got up and shared how her father had abandoned them and how she had experienced abuse from another family member. Began to share her testimony at how God had healed her. And then the youth pastor shared the gospel message. And you know what? With all of the food, all of the music, all the things going on, there was a hush across this crowd. You could have heard a pin drop when they were listening to every word spoken. They listened to the gospel, many for the very first time. And I want to tell you, as we left that platform, as we saw the Holy Spirit just sovereignly move in that moment, we knew that there were Hungarians, there were Germans, and for the first time, some gypsies had joined that large festivities. And the heart that we had was to see that whole community reached. And it may have been digging some ditches, it may have been doing some things that didn't seem all that exciting, but it opened a door and an opportunity in that community. I walked off the platform and I grabbed the hand of the mayor. His eyes were teared up. What I didn't know was the MCs who were not followers of Christ at all. The MCs were very professional MCs, but they got up afterwards. And we found out from the translator, the translator said, this is what the MCs just said. Now those are some words that we can live by. The mayor grabbed my hand and he said, do you think the team can come pray with, my, pray with me in my office again? I remember, and he puts his arm up. He says, I remember what it felt like when you prayed in my office the last time. You see, transformation happens when we first recognize it comes through brokenness. That brokenness gives us a place to begin. It's a place of connection. It's a place of transformation where we recognize first and foremost, we have been transformed. 
then and only then do we have the ability and the opportunity to address brokenness around us. But see, brokenness is not the end. It's the beginning. Some of you are even hearing about brokenness and you're like, can you get some more Joel Steen in here? I'd love for you to be more positive. <laughs> there is, Joel Osteen would tell you that your best life now is a right relationship with God. The truth is, when you have a right relationship with God, when you take your brokenness and he makes you new, there is nothing more joyous. There is nothing more powerful that will fill you to overflowing than recognizing that when you bring your brokenness, he will make you whole. And some of you are broken here this morning. Some of you are facing crisis. Some of you are facing, you don't even know how you're gonna make it. Some of you are in the place of Emory without hope, not knowing what it's gonna be. I wanna tell you, God can use you. God can do things in your life that you never thought possible. He can take you to places you never even imagined. And transformation continues with openness. You see, brokenness isn't a one-time gig, is it? If you think it is, I got news for you. There's another time coming. <laughs> Might be this morning. <laughs> there are things that become hardened in our own life, in our own experience. Our own existence, fears, and things that swirl around us put us in position to not, no longer be open. We're not open with our heart. We're not open with our compassion. We're not open with our finances. And God wants us to be transformed. And the way we're transformed begins with brokenness and it continues through an openness. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna ask you this morning, if you're here and all you have are pieces that just seem to be broken, pieces that seem to be empty, that seem to be at a place where, um, where you don't know that there is any hope. I wanna tell you, there's hope. There's hope because I have seen how he can transform your brokenness into a wholeness. Are you here this morning and say, you know what, that's me this morning. I'm broken, I need him today. I don't wanna go another moment. I don't wanna breathe another breath. I don't wanna take another step. I don't wanna do another thing without his touch in my life. Is that you this morning? And say, you know what? With an upraised hand, just make eye contact with me and say, you know what? That's me this morning. I need him to take my brokenness and to make me whole again. I believe God brought you here this morning for this very moment. Anyone at all and say, you know what? That's an upraised hand. That's me. That's me today. I, I sense that inside of me. I need him. Anyone at all? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Yes. Anyone else? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand back there. Anyone else? I don't want to pass up this moment. Because I believe he takes broken things and makes them beautiful. He wants to touch your heart and your life today. Anyone else across this auditorium? Thank you. Lord, I thank you that you take broken things and Lord, you make them new. Lord, we're asking you not to fashion things 
the way we would. But Lord, I pray that you would make us new according to what you desire. Lord, I pray for these who raised their hands this morning. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, in simple faith, in a simple act of acknowledging their brokenness to you today, Lord, you have met them right where they are. And Lord, you want to start to put the pieces back together again. You love them with an everlasting love. You desire to forgive them. You desire to bring them peace and a hope and a joy that resonates from deep within. Lord, I thank you for that work that you're already accomplishing even right now. How many of you have allowed the season of life to keep you closed? And you want him once again to say, God, I want to let you transform me. I want you to transform me, to continue that work. Lord, I know that you transformed my life when you made me whole and you made me new. But God, I've allowed things to keep me from being open to what you have. I believe in this moment that the Lord will touch your heart, that he will allow you in this moment to simply surrender to him Lord, I pray that, Lord, as people are praying right now, we ask these simple questions. Are you open to God doing something bigger in your life than you ever thought possible? Would you ever pursue a life of missions? Would you leave the comforts of everything that is known to you and go to a place that isn't familiar to you? Are you open to giving something outrageous so that those who have never heard can hear of his love and his forgiveness and his peace? Are you open to breaking family traditions so that others might experience his love? Are you open to expanding your Thanksgiving table this year and welcoming a family that may be made vulnerable by life's circumstances? Are you, are you open to breaking your routines to see others around you and the need they have? Are you open to hearing his voice and responding no matter what he says?
Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.